Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the very last episode of 2019 of the Polarizer podcast. My guest today is Kyle Meyer. He is a professional photographer from Norway who takes awesome photos of the Norwegian outdoors, among many other cool places. He also went to Iceland and Abu Dhabi and other yeah, really nice places. And if he is not adventuring or skiing around while he has his camera with him, he takes photos of cars made by Mercedes and Porsche, or he takes photos for outdoor companies like Health Sport and Big Sit. So lots of cool stuff to talk about. And um, well, as some of you might know, I'm a photographer myself, and I always like to talk to people who are a couple of steps ahead of me in terms of their photography career and skill, if you will, so I can learn something from it. And um, yeah, he's a really cool dude. Had a lot of fun talking to him, and I hope to see him back on the show one day. So you got that to look forward to after I'm done reading these commercials by the wonderful companies who make this podcast possible. So this episode is brought to you by Alert. Alert is the iOS app for people with food allergies who travel abroad. What it does is generate a dynamic allergy card and it supports 14, the 14 most common food allergies which cover over 95% of all cases and it can generate this card in 44 different languages. So let's say you're allergic to peanuts and dairy and gluten and shellfish. You tick that on in the app and then you select... Um, whatever language you need. So if you travel to China and you select Chinese, it generates a full-screen allergy warning that says that you are very allergic to these products and, you, and that you can absolutely not have this. It's been a good help to me personally. Uh, I've traveled around quite extensively, also around Asia. I'm personally allergic to dairy and peanuts, and this app has helped me out a lot. I've... Uh, into very rural places in Indonesia where people don't speak English at all and they really like cooking with peanuts there but nothing went wrong thanks to me showing this warning screen on the app. Alert is spelled A-L-L-E-R-T that's double L which is kind of a little wink to the word allergy and alert and it's available in the iOS app store today. Alert A-L-L-E-R-T your food allergy should not prevent you from seeing the world. And this episode is also brought to you by Onnit. Onnit is a health and fitness juggernaut dedicated to delivering total human optimization to its vast consumer base of athletes, thinkers, fitness gurus, and entrepreneurs. Through a wide array of products and supplements, Onnit combines cutting-edge science earth-grown nutrients, and time-tested strategies to help people reach peak performance. Whether you are climbing mountains or biking down them, building businesses or closing sales, chasing personal records in the weight room or running a marathon, Onnit is the brand you want in your back pocket. As one of the fastest-growing health and fitness companies in the world, Onnit refuses to bring anything but the very best to market whether it be energy bars, protein shakes, creatine, or their flagship product Alpha Brain, on its diverse lineup of products and supplements are backed by science and research. You can save up to 10% off by visiting onit.com and using the coupon code POLARIZER. That's P-O-L-A-R-I-Z-E-R, POLARIZER. Use that code at checkout and you'll get 10% off your 
order up to 10%. And also be sure to check out thepolarizer.com. That's thepolarizer.com, which uh, the website just had a major overhaul, so it looks a lot nicer. And you can find more information there about each episode and the the full show notes are in there. And there's more background info and info about guests and an easy way to find episodes based on which guests what on. So it's all nice and organized and everything's easy to find there. And also sign up to the newsletter, man. That way you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. All right, that's it, man. Without further ado, the very last episode of the year with Kyle Meyer. All right, well, you want to get started? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right, well, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm talking to uh, Kyle Meyer today, who is a photographer and a Sony ambassador. Yes, sir. Uh, Why don't you give yourself a little bit of an intro? A little bit of an intro. First of all, I'm surprised you got my name right, Kyle Meyer. It's a weird spelling, so not many people get that, but uh, I'm pretty happy about that. (laughs) Well, that's Um, a good start. I'm a professional photographer. I hesitate to use that word because it still doesn't feel real, but I do make money off what I do, so I consider that my profession. Um, I shoot a lot of commercial and adventure. I'm based here in Norway, so obviously there's a lot of adventure, a lot of nature, a lot of landscapes, a lot of cool action, and whatever I can get my hands on. That's nice. If I look at your uh, website, I see a bunch of uh, different brands. I see like Porsche and and, and Mercedes's and, and uh, those are good brands. Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are those are nice subjects to take uh, pictures of. I was just shooting with Mitsubishi uh, two days ago, actually. Oh yeah. Which uh, isn't quite Porsche, but they treat me very well, and I was very happy with it. It was very fun. Well, they they got the four wheel drive uh, cars that are great. Exactly. For driving in the snow, I bet. <laughs> yeah, right yeah. about now. That's. That's pretty mandatory. Yeah, do some power slides and uh, take some cool pictures of that. Yeah, we were shooting a truck, a pickup truck, an L200, as it's called here in Europe. I think it's called the Triton in the States. Um, That was fun. It's something different. It's hard to make a truck look good because it's so boxy. Yeah. (laughs) You shoot it from above, like a sports car. If you shoot it from above, you can see all, like, the beautiful engineering and lines that go into it. But with a truck, it's just like a hole in the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the trucks are kind of cool looking, though. Like if, if they're in, a, in the forest and there's like uh, work going on with them and just oh, put some yeah. logs in the back, you know. That's, uh, yeah, we, we kind of flipped the script a little bit because here in Norway, skiing is so prominent. It's such a, a selling point. So we uh, I, I brought a professional skier with me, uh, a guy by the name of Anders Bucke. He's a super talented dude and a good friend of mine. Uh, and, and we used it to sort of tell the story of somebody going skiing. So he like okay. put his skis in the trunk at like, we, we got sunrise shots. We built a jump next to it and we're doing like backflips next to it and stuff. It was pretty rad. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Super fun. Hey, you're getting paid to do all that stuff. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Shit, man. That's great. Yeah, I wouldn't I, change I, it for the world. That's, uh, that's great. I, I love seeing that kind of stuff. You know, that's, uh, that's, uh, really sounds like living a dream, but, uh, I'm, I'm sure it didn't. Um, go automatically because you've uh, well first of all your photos are really you know really good so 
So that's Thanks, you got that you got that going for you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. But uh, when did you start photography? Uh, I started actually. Long story short, I wanted to be a journalist going into college. Um, okay. So I uh, started studying journalism. I did three years. I got my bachelor's in uh, London in journalism. And halfway through the studies, I started working in the ski industry as a writer. Um, I I edited an online magazine and sort of had to buy a camera at the time because I realized the magazine is called Down Days. Uh, It's an Austrian-based magazine. I'm not so sure if they're still running. I guess so. Um, But it was very, like, core and very niche, and there wasn't really much room to grow. So right. in buying a camera, I realized I could make myself twice as valuable as a journalist. I could send myself, and I could do both the visuals. I could do the text. And they wouldn't have to send somebody else, uh, which was super common, like, maybe five years before that. So I was just trying to catch up to the times, really. Um, and the more I started taking pictures, the more I realized you can tell the full story with just pictures, even more. I mean, yeah. it, like what they say, I mean, the cliche is that it tells a thousand words, right? So you take 10 photos, you got 10,000 words. It would take me weeks to write 10,000 words now. So the photos became more and more powerful to me. And the more I got into that and telling stories with the photos and posting them online, the more brands started to come to me and be like, hey, uh, we want to use some of your photos for this and this and that. And then they started offering me money. And I was like, this is way more fun than writing. <laughs> so I went straight into photography, moved back to Norway and started working full time as a freelance photographer. So you, so you were in, in, uh, in the UK when you were doing that? I was in the UK studying and then I spent, uh, one year or just under in Austria working for the magazine. So I I went from working part-time in the UK to working full-time in Austria. And it didn't take me very long to realize that I didn't want to be there. Okay. Well, Austria is a beautiful place too, but I guess it's a different kind of vibe than, yeah. Where you are now. It's yeah, I was I was at Innsbruck, so it's pretty small. Innsbruck, uh, the town mm-hmm. is a big university town. So the size of the town kind of doubles during wintertime and then goes right. back to dead during summer. So it was kind of a weird vibe. And I I think I feel more comfortable in a, somewhere in between London and Innsbruck. So Oslo, okay. in terms of size, was was pretty. it's pretty perfect for me. Right. Okay. So you were taking pictures and... and Brands would just uh, start emailing you and... uh... Yeah, so there's kind of a lesson to be learned here, I think. Um, The way I realized it was going to work best for me was if I started shooting events, which is like the ultimate base level photography gig, um, I was doing events for maybe like 100 to 200 euros a night. These were for clubs or whatever, whoever would have me. Um, The more you had a chance to meet people who were involved in creating the events. So from there, I started to meet people like, um, there's a company here in Norway called Robert Prezelius. They do a lot of uh, alcohol import and distribution. So I met them and they signed me on and we had like a year-long contract together where I would shoot so many events for them. Oh, wow. And what they would end up doing is facilitating events with this alcohol, but the events were oftentimes run by other bigger companies. So if I was smart about it and I was shaking the right hands and meeting the right people, I could keep growing and growing and growing through events. Um, and that was a grind. 
that was a grind. That was a lot of times where I'd be shooting until 10, 11, 12 at night. And then I'd be editing until like three in the morning just to get it out on time. Right. And to stand out. Like it's, it's easy to stand out when you're the one who's delivering the photos the fastest. So right. then for me, that was my goal. And especially as a journalist, I was addicted to being the first one to get the story out there. So <laughs> I was, I was pushing a lot harder, I think, than a lot of the other events photographers. And I think a lot of companies knew, uh, noticed that. And that's kind of my formula to growth. You know, it makes sure it's kind of uh, the old school way. Just work really hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know any better. <laughs> now the yeah. old or now I guess it's go on Instagram and show yourself doing cool stuff, so brands want to associate with you. Yeah. That's that seems to be the way, but that never really suited me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a cool picture on your Instagram uh, too. I think. I mean, I hope your so. your main. <laughs> yeah. I hate so it though. I hate I hate Instagram, man. I can't stand that place. <laughs> yeah, what, what don't you like about it, dude? It's exhausting. It's like, I it feels like a job that I'm not being paid for. Right. If you think about it like that, because there is a specific style to Instagram. Like I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I never show any of my work on Instagram. I show all the fun stuff. I show the stuff that I do in the free time, or maybe some of the work that happens to be really, really fun to me and suits my personality. But That's to have to curate, to have to curate something like that is. It's exhausting, and you're sitting up watching a movie at like eight o'clock on a Monday. You're like, "Oh, okay, the engagement's really good right now. Let me just pause this movie and spend like twenty minutes editing a photo so it's perfect for Instagram." I just hate that stress. I hate, and I hate seeing other people who are better at it than me because I'm very competitive. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this is a problem. I I made a post about this recently. This is a problem for me in that I'm ultra competitive. And when it comes to seeing other people succeeding and having a good time, people who I'm not already close to, I sort of take that on me as a loss, but I right. use those losses as, as like motivation to grow um, because that drives me a lot. But you, you can't take so many losses like that, especially when it's something as petty as Instagram. Right. So it's it, it weighs on me. It weighs on me. That social media anxiety, that pressure, it weighs on me quite a bit. But as a photographer... I need to keep my Instagram going because some clients don't even, they don't even look at your website. They don't care. They see you on Instagram and they're like, oh, okay, good enough. Huh. Yeah, but it's, it's hard to, to get to the top of the total pole because there's just a handful of dudes who have like two million followers and, well, good luck getting close to that, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, I just, I either have to change that competitive drive within me and sort of dull that down or... Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think so either. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I like being competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I, it's I, It'll figure itself out. And now that Instagram's changing so often and so, I don't know, so drastically, like now they're talking about getting rid of likes. It's yeah. going to be tough to see that Instagram's going to be a viable uh, way to build your business in the future. So maybe Instagram itself will die down. I have no idea. I'm terrible. I think predicting. it's a, I think it's going to go the same way as Facebook, where you just have to pay to show up in feeds. And, and if you're, if you have like a brand page on Facebook, the only way uh, people see it, if you, is if you like boost the post and you have to pay money for that. Do you do so that? Uh, not really. No. no, I've no. tried once or twice, but I've played around with it. I, I read a bunch of stuff about it, but the consensus now is like you need to pay to be visible because the whole 
uh, organic like going viral thing that that doesn't work anymore really no it doesn't seem like it yeah and well I mean it's not like I'm doing the coolest stuff on Instagram anyway so I can't really expect that I'm a good example of that but <laughs> I get well, that it's hard now well s- some people also some photographers also go on YouTube and they make um, uh, you got a YouTube channel too by the way yeah barely uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, you know um, but guys like uh, Peter McKinnon, I'm sure you heard of him. Like of course, he, uh, yeah, yeah. Like he he makes these amazing short films, basically of him going out and and make uh, take pictures, and he uh, puts them online, and that's very talented, man. Yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, I like I like watching his stuff, man. He. Uh, it's it, it's inspiring to see people out there doing stuff like that because they're not afraid to express their own opinions and stand behind them. It's yeah. like um, the worst thing you could do in school, right, is when you're writing an essay and the first line of the essay is, this essay is going to be about this. And the word, like, I think comes up so often. <laughs> the moment people like Peter McKinnon get rid of the word I think and they start speaking in definite terms, I think it's, well, there you go. I just said it. It becomes a, a, a better thing for the community, and I love that that's the way those guys are taking it. People like Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, these storytellers who – they stand by their own storytelling. They say, this is good storytelling that lets you absorb all of it and make your own decision as to what becomes a good story. That's yeah. such a healthy thing for the community, and that's why I really appreciate those guys. Cool. Yeah, and, and they're really talented uh, photographers and videographers that also helped. Hell yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you, uh, before we started recording, you uh, you said you like to go out and uh, go skiing and take your camera with you. Like, what, yes, what does uh, what does day look like for Kyle Meyer when he uh, he does whatever whatever he wants to do, which is uh, those yeah. things, I think. Wow, what does the day look like for Kyle Meyer? It is different every day. Most often than not, I'm just sitting here on the couch editing photos. But um, on the best days, I will try to wake up pretty early. Uh, figure out where the snow is, or I will know by then, um, and I'll team up with somebody. Here in Norway, the sun doesn't rise until 9, 30, 10 or something. So we'll get out before sunrise, go hunt. Um, there's one mountain near Oslo called Galstatoppen. That's a really like safe bet for fun skiing. Okay. Um, and the idea is to get there before the sun really starts to hit its peak. Then you could start hiking up the mountain, uh, take some photos on the way, take some photos at the peak, share some good times, eat some chocolate. Very <laughs> <laughs> very Norwegian tradition is to bring a certain certain few kinds of chocolate with you and enjoy on the peak. It's very okay. key. It's very important. Uh, <laughs> and then ski down and shoot as much as you can on the way down. And then I'm one of the most impatient people in the world. So right when I get home, I have to put in the photos and start editing. I, otherwise... I lose that vision that I had for the editing while I was out there. Right. So for me, that's key. Um, that's on a fun day. But, I mean, there's a lot of the times when it's a commercial job, it's a lot of grinding, a lot of waking up and going to places I don't necessarily want to be. But photography in all its facets sort of amazes me and it intrigues me. So even if it's something that, like, I've started shooting food a lot recently. Uh, professionally. Oh, wow, that's, uh, that's a whole unique kind of uh, field in itself, food oh, photography. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's something I've never done before, but 
and to most people and to me, most of the time, it's boring. It's, I mean, it's food. It doesn't move. It doesn't do anything. There's no personality. But when you start to get into it and realize how many similarities there are between like lighting food and lighting cars or lighting action or portraits and like it all comes together and it sort of reinvigorates that love you have for photography in general. Okay. Uh, I mean, you're, so you're doing something new within a sphere yeah. uh, of something, you know, so exactly, exactly. And just building talents, building on this general passion that I have that sort of is a red thread throughout my life. Cool. And those uh, those car pictures, I really like those. Like, how did did those brands contact you, or did you uh, did they find your website? Or it's a lot of uh, finding other people associated with the brands. Oh, so um, it still goes back to just face to face stuff, and uh, it's just it's who you know, basically. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it isn't. I'm there's a lot of. For example, I got lucky shooting for Ford. Um, we were going to, or I was going to be shooting for a ski festival in a place called Strian. And to drive to Strian from Oslo is about eight hours of like beautiful roads, really okay. beautiful roads. And when I was uh, packing up and getting ready to go, the clients who had me going out there said, hey, uh, Ford is sponsoring the event. They're willing to let you use one of their cars. Uh, you can take it to the event with you as long as you take about 10 photos for them to use. And that... <laughs> That's uh, a good deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there was more involved. There was money involved. Yeah. I, I, I don't like yeah. shooting... I don't like shooting in exchange for products or free. That doesn't suit the brand or doesn't suit the industry very well. Yeah. Um, but that that was kind of the gist of it. So in that case, like nobody knew anybody. It just sort of popped up. It was something okay. they needed and they didn't really care who they got. But in other cases, when it's like... Um, like I posted a Ferrari and a Porsche recently on my Instagram. A friend of mine in Stockholm trades cars for a living. Like that that's okay. what he does. He buys and sells and he's constantly moving cars in and out of his garage. Um so me that was just sort of capitalizing on a friend. Um right. I needed to practice my photography. He had the cars, so I went out and shot. So there's there's a lot of that. It's uh, for me half and half is professional and fun. It, it it's hard to tell the difference. And this is part of the problem with Instagram, for example. I mean, you thought that was all paid, but a lot of it isn't. It's, uh, but a lot of it is at the same time. It's half and half. Cool. And uh, I see there's also, uh, I like when you go to your website, there's two buttons, work and adventure. <laughs> That's my life. Yeah. That's when, I w when I wake up, I see those two buttons in front of me every morning. <laughs> I have to press one of them. <laughs> Do you uh, you should put it like on the wall, you know, so you yeah, can actually exactly. physically press uh, press a button. <laughs> I have two doors when I exit my bedroom. One says work, one says adventure. Which door am I going to go through today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I see you went to Los Angeles and Iceland, and let's see Rago had a place in Norway. Dude, Rago is I Rago is maybe the most underestimated place in Norway. It's one of the newest it's national parks. It's stunning. up north. Yeah. The thing is, Rago is the same. You would fly to it with the same airport you would fly to Lofoten. Everybody knows okay. Lofoten. Lofoten is like the most beautiful place in Norway. It's, I it's ground zero for adventure photography. Those photos are just breathtaking, man. Dude, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And Rago, just to finish that thought, Rago is you fly to the same place, but you drive the opposite direction, so nobody ever sees it. But I promise you, if you spend a couple nights tenting and hiking around Rago. There's no cell phone signal. There's nothing. It's 
so satisfying. Did you see the Northern Lights in there even, I think? Oh, yeah. 100%. That was mind-blowing experience, seeing wow. the Northern Lights. It changes you. Yeah, I, I bet, man. It spoils you is the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> it really creates this, like, well, now every other photo I take from now on should have some Northern Lights in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I know what you mean. Like, if if, um, if you see something that's, like, super stunning it it does change you a little bit man like i went to uh new zealand in 2013 and some of the views i saw there some of the landscapes it, it really kind of changes your perspective on things in a way and it's hard mm. to explain but it's uh I, I think i know what you're uh what you mean with that yeah new zealand is a special case too new zealand is the kind of place that will really spoil you <laughs> have you have you been there no i would love to it's uh, it's very high up on my list. Like the national parks in Norway are sometimes compared to the to the South Island of New Zealand. So yeah, here New Zealand's like Norway, but just way bigger. Yeah. That's, that's what I've heard. <laughs> well, the landscape is just super. There's a super diverse set of landscapes within one country. So you can be driving for. Uh, so you're you're in this place with rolling green hills. Then you drive for an, uh, for a couple of hours. Then you're in this thermal wonderland with uh, like steam coming out the ground that's wild boiling waterfalls and then you drive for another couple of hours and then you see uh, see this like barren rough landscape that's and then wild. you drive for for a couple of hours and then you're in in the fjords you know and so it's it's yeah you only have to spend a couple of weeks to see like a whole bunch of very very different landscapes i think that's what makes it so unique and all those landscapes are just amazing where do you recommend i go like where's where's the best place to go in new zealand well you you always fly into auckland mm -hmm. and and you if you fly from europe you will either have a layover in dubai or uh, tokyo which is also a really cool place to go which is to, also maybe number one on my list yeah, so if you go there, you know, go to Japan first and then fly to New Zealand. Might as well just uh, stay there instead of just have a layover. Yeah. And then you you always start, you fly into Auckland. And then what I did, I went from there, just went down. That's uh, what most people do. So you got the North Island, you drive through, uh, through like the thermal place called uh, Rotorua. Okay. And then you get to the southern tip of the North Island, you take a ferry. You rent a car. You don't want to do it with. Uh, you don't want to do it by bus. <laughs> <laughs> because that sounds, that sounds rough. Yeah. Well, I, because there's so many opportunities alongside the road where you can just stop and just take in a landscape and take take a photo, obviously. And then sometimes I would, I would park the park the car on the side of the road. And I was taking a picture of the landscape, and then you see this bus like driving, like flying down the road with people like on the windows, kind of like <laughs> looking at, at, at the out. windows. <laughs> yeah, I want to take a photo. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so there's so there's that, and then then you um, are at the tip of the South Island. And then if you go east, you go down the coast there. That's beautiful landscape, but if you go south down, you go into the fjords and you go you go down and then halfway in, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm doing yeah. a terrible job of explaining. I'm sure I can see it right before my eyes. Yeah. It sounds but beautiful. If, <laughs> if you're if you're about in the middle of of the South Island, you yeah. you turn west and then you go into Queenstown, 
there's a lot of skydiving and, and bungee jumping stuff going on, oh. water rafting and hiking. And uh, did you try any of that? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> what did you I, do? I, I did the. Um, I did a couple of things. I did uh, uh, one of the highest bungees in the world, which oh. is like, it's it's it was creepy, man. There's this little <laughs> cart hanging hanging off these cables in the middle of this uh, be- between two mountains, basically. Whoa. So so going there is already kind of sketchy, and you're looking down. <laughs> you know, you see the you see the 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 floor with the, which is this uh, grid. So you you look down already. And then, uh, yeah, you jump, which I think is like 135 meters or something. Oh, my so Lord. Of, of free fall. So that's, that, was, <laughs> that, was, that was intense, man. That sounds so <laughs> fun. Yeah. Dude, bungee jumping in, is like the, it's one of the gnarliest things. Imagine the first so insane, guy to do it. insane, dude. Insane. He just had like insane. a couple rubber bands and he tied them to his legs and just jumped off a bridge. <laughs> How crazy that, is that? But they got another bungee where you jump off a bridge and you can actually you dip in the water uh, That's if, you, so if you're stupid. at the lowest at the lowest part. That's <laughs> yeah. so dangerous. What is wrong with people? What is well, wrong you, with people? You say you sign a waiver, you know. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then you're fine. <laughs> if if That's I die, uh, I don't. I won't sue you. Yeah. Have you seen that video of the the guys who went bungee jumping with their friend and as he jumped off the bridge, they threw a rope behind him? And pretended like they <laughs> didn't, didn't attach that. the rope. That's so mean. That's hilarious. Though. That's exactly why I don't want to go bungee jumping. <laughs> that video. Well, when you're when you're standing, like uh, they they put the thing around your legs, and then you're standing on this, this diving board basically, and you're just looking down, and you know everything everything inside you is saying like, "All right, don't do this," you know, because <laughs> you're you're about to to jump off a cliff, you know. Yeah. And then you yeah you jump, and and the first couple of seconds it's just like this i don't know man it's it's it's, <laughs> it's the heart it's like yeah i went we have like a, a this, this is such a weird tangent but we have like a a mini bungee jump platform here in oslo it's like 25 meters so it's not super big and it's That's one of those still high enough to kill you if you jump oh, without yeah. a rope you know it's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's um it's attached to like a fan so you jump and the fan spools up and starts creating resistance and you slow down and you don't really bounce. You just sort of land on the ground soft and it's okay. fine. And when I got to the top, once again, I'm a very competitive person. And <laughs> <laughs> I got to the top platform. The guy hooked me up. And right before I was about to jump, the guy who was working there stopped me. He looked at me. He's like, you know, people do backflips off this, right? <laughs> I was like, I am definitely doing a backflip now. <laughs> so I turned around, went backwards. It's attached to your back. Uh, okay. Yes, attached to your back. And the idea with the backflip is that you have to hold the rope out through it with your hand throughout the whole thing so it doesn't get caught up. And you do the backflip when you're about halfway, you're about upside down. You let go of it and it'll catch you and you'll be fine. Yeah. But I lost hold of it about a quarter way through the backflip and it snapped back. And at this point, I'd fallen maybe like two or three meters. So I was gaining some speed it snapped back and went in between my legs, and it crushed my nuts. Oh. <laughs> and I had brought, uh, I, I had brought a few friends. I, I brought a friend of mine with me, and she brought like five or six of her other friends, and they're all sitting at the bottom, and they watched this happen. It was the most embarrassing thing I think <laughs> I've ever done. And it put and it whipped me back around. Like it, it not only stops your momentum, it whips you back around, and then you have that slow fall where for like. 
15 meters, you're just slowly falling, super embarrassed, like regretting <laughs> everything. Defeated. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the worst moments. I bruised my nuts on that. That was that was not an experience I wanted to share, but uh, I felt like it had to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so no more bungee jumping for you, or no more no, backflips no. with, with bungee jumping at least. I got to commit harder. I think I, I just, it's all about commitment. Right. <laughs> right. God what? damn. That was that was a rough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 nuts. It's a crazy thing to do. It's uh, and, and you pay a lot of money for it too. So. How much does how much does the the real bungee jumping cost? Oh well, th- that one was like uh, was like 150 bucks. You pay and, 150 uh, bucks to jump off a bridge? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. My God. Yeah, you do. And then then when you get back, they say, "Well, you just did this amazing thing that you'll never forget uh, for the rest of your life." But if you pay another 200 bucks, we'll have a HD movie of you and we've taken oh pictures Christ. while you jump. So a, they have all these cameras hanging there and there's this dude. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Kind like when of you get off a roller coaster, they're like, here are the 30 bucks. You want a picture of you shitting your pants? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Hell no, I don't want that. Why well, would there's this dude sitting in a control room controlling these remote control cameras, and, and they actually like edit a video together with music, like uh, with, <laughs> with the with the punk uh, going while you jump, like that, 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 That's pretty rad. Yeah, no, I'm not paying 200 bucks for that. No way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, it's it's fun though, and you go with like a batch of people, like 10, and. Everyone's kind of talking nervously, and there's uh, <laughs> so, there's always a dude or a chick in there who's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm finally conquering my fears today, and after this, my life is going to be completely different." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. You're just gonna walk away with shit in your pants. That's the only difference. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Was, did anybody uh, ever? When you were there, I guess you were in a group, like you said. Did anybody not do it? Uh, not not in my group, but they say, well, you know, every, every week there's someone who who pussies out. Oh and, uh, man! But, Imagine but they, that. But they say if you pay, you're not getting your money back. Like once once you sign really? that waiver and you're you're on that thing, that's it. Like uh, you're you're not getting your money back. And they say, well, usually that that pushes people over the edge a little bit. Yeah. And then, <laughs> wow, hundred fifty dollars of your own money to jump. Yeah. If you That's, think about uh, it, it's it's not it's hard to it's hard to justify logically. You know, like, all right, I'm paying you like 150 yeah. bucks to be scared to death for a couple of seconds. And, yeah. yeah, we do we do a lot of <laughs> cliff jumping here in Oslo. That's, oh wow, that's kind of our version of it. Only there's Just no jump, rope. Jump into water. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here in Oslo, we have like a, an 11 meter cliff just outside of town. That's or it's actually in the middle of town. It's really nice. Wow. You're doing flips uh, off that too. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's the only way to do it. You don't want to land on your back, though. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> you do the flip and you land on your feet. It's perfect. It's Damn. super fun. And it's like right in front of the sunset. And in summertime in Norway, the sun sets at like 11, like 10, 30, 11. Wow. So you're there for hours just drinking, hanging out. Bring like, We had a day where we brought out a paddleboard. And people are kayaking in front of it. It's super fun. And this, I love this is place. in the middle of the city, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take a bus, it takes like uh, 15 minutes to take a bus there. So you're, so there's this, this cliff and this, this water in the middle of the city. Oslo is a very green city. If you look at Oslo from above, there is more forest than there is buildings. Um, and it's kind of hard to... It's kind of hard to envision unless you fly over it, but... 
you'll notice very quickly that it's it's all built for one around a fjord. So Oslo Fjord is uh, kind of our shipping lane. That's the reason the city was built there. Right. Um, and on that, there's a lot of protected like natural space. I'm looking uh, at some pictures, man. It, uh, it does look really nice. It's I love it here, man. I wouldn't change it for the world. It's pretty next level. Uh, it's like a smaller Stockholm, <laughs> basically. Right. I've I've never been to either, but uh, I, I would love to visit, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, come come visit. We'll do some fun stuff. We'll take some fun pictures. Yeah, hell yeah. It's, it's uh, uh, there's never a dull moment in Oslo. It's it's built around like outdoor activity. So cool. like even that. like uh, this is a funny story I've started to tell people who come to visit is there's a a hill called Holmenkollen here in Oslo and it's Holmenkollen. Yeah, Holmenkollen, and it's built around a ski jump. Um, okay. This is the ski jump they used in the 1952 Olympics and the 1994 Olympics, um, and they just recently rebuilt it, and it's, it's like super, super beautiful. And it also happens to be like one of the wealthiest areas to live because it's up on the hill. They get a lot of sun. It's it's very, very, very sought after uh, real estate. Cool. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that that whole area came about because there wasn't enough snow to build as big of a jump as they wanted in the city. So they built a road all the way up to the top of that hill specifically so they could build a jump that would have more snow on it because it was at higher elevation. And right. from that, all this like infrastructure and these houses and it built and it started to become the, the wealthiest area. So in that sense, like Oslo is built around physical activity uh, and nature and being outdoorsy. And I love that that defines the city because that's, I mean, that's everything that Norwegians are about. So it suits us very well. But it's fun yeah. to just remind yourself that this city is specifically built for that. That's the reason it's here. Seems like a good place to be indeed, man. Dude, I love it. I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. Although, right now it's pretty gray and wet. <laughs> so yeah, what's I, the, I might change it what, for the world. What's the what's the climate like? like? How many days of nice days do you have? Uh, not enough, unfortunately. Uh, during the summer, it's been a trend in recent years that during the summer we'll have about two or three weeks of just brutal summer like and when i say brutal i mean it's like 30 28 to 30 degrees celsius um, okay somewhere i guess like upper 80s uh fahrenheit yeah. um and that is usually enough to sustain us because when it's like that we have that from what like five six in the morning all the way until like 10 or something at night so oh, wow. if, for example if you're drinking with your friends and you're out on town there's a strong chance you're going to come back while the sun's rising it's it's a pretty cool <laughs> experience. Um, so in that sense, we do get enough summer, at least these days. But during November and early December, it's, it doesn't snow as much as it used to, uh, at least here in Oslo. So it's starting to become like zero. It hovers from like zero to minus five, and there's kind of a gray wetness to the right. whole city. But when we get into deep snow and deep winter, then it peaks back up and it's one of the best places to be cool yeah and it's, man. yeah i mean if you want snow as well it's always like only 30 40 minutes away you can drive to the ski mountain you can take the subway to the nearest ski mountain here uh, it's super super That's easy nice yeah, yeah i love it very accessible so very yeah. very like i said i mean this place is built around physical activity so it's all the infrastructure is there cool I see you went to uh, northern Norway too. 
I have been there a few times, and I love that place. Yeah, it, <laughs> it never looks, get enough. Looks, I see people surfing there even. Yeah, that's the epitome of Norway. Of the epitome of the Norwegian experience is up north. It's the most dramatic seasonal changes. It's the most opportunity in terms of adventure. The most dramatic mountains. Maybe not the biggest mountains in Norway, but definitely the most dramatic. Where they come straight from the ocean up to like uh, one thousand some vertical meters. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. So, for example, like the surfing spots in Lofoten. Um, you can do everything, every sport in one day during the winter. There's, there's nothing stopping you. You can ski with a surfboard on your back down to the beach and then go jump in and surf. It's yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just going through your photos. I, I see Abu Dhabi and Stubai and, and uh, Ron, Rondane. Do I pronounce yeah. that correctly? Uh, Rondane. It's uh, uh, Rondana. Yeah, it's a Norwegian <laughs> national park. Rondane. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that. I still have trouble because I'm originally American as well. So I still have. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I still have some troubles pronouncing some of this stuff. So what, what, what's your original? Okay. Yeah, I wanted to say your English is uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, Thank just, you very much. <laughs> for American English. Yeah, I mean, if you're from the States, that makes sense. Like, it does make sense. I'm originally from Maryland. Um, oh, uh, wow. I grew up there until I was. 13 I think and then I moved to Norway with family uh, how, how did how did that happen that's not a common move no my mom is Norwegian my mom is 100% Norwegian um, okay. and for her to raise us uh, three kids it would have been a pain in the ass doing it in the states so I, I think there was a bigger support system for here or for her here in Norway there's a lot more opportunity as well for us um, like traveling for example traveling in the states it takes so much financial security um, right. and stability to be able to be like, okay, I guess I'll go to um, like Mexico or something, which <laughs> I guess is the nearest uh, different country to you or Cuba. I I'm not so sure. Yeah. Um, no. Whereas, I, yeah. yeah, whereas in Norway, uh, there's just when you're young and you really have that wanderlust and you really want to travel and move around, there's, you just, you have that ability. It's it's easy. You pay a hundred bucks and you're in uh, London. Yes. Or, yeah. yeah. But you're you're not originally American, right? No, no. I'm I'm Dutch. I'm 100 Dutch. You're Dutch. Okay, I figured. Yeah. Hence the name. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Where in the <laughs> Netherlands are you from? Uh, I'm from Rotterdam, man. Oh, Rotterdam, dude! I was there uh, just a few months ago, giving oh, yeah. a, giving a lecture for um, a camera store called Camera Express, I think. Yeah. Yeah, cool. That's I, funny. I, used, I used to work there actually. <laughs> oh, really? that's funny. Yeah. Dope. They were super nice people. They rented like a whole movie theater and we sold out the whole thing. It was cool. crazy. Super fun experience. Dutch people are way too nice. Okay. Way well, too nice. Uh, I woke up early and shot the windmills outside of Rotterdam. Oh, the Kinderdijk. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Shot at sunrise and it was really like misty and hazy. It's really cool experience. Yeah. Uh, did did you uh, check out Rotterdam a little bit as well? Or uh? I didn't have enough time. Um, I stayed in my hotel for like I was barely in my hotel. Um, I rented a car, got there at about ten o'clock at night, ate food, woke up at about five or six in the morning to go get sunrise at the windmills, drove out of town, and then went straight to the airport from the lecture. Was, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see anything of Rotterdam unfortunately, but I do want to go back. Cool. 
So is, is that a, a thing from Sony or, or did the camera store? Uh... Yeah, it's it's uh, so so it's half and half. Um, so you because because you're a, a Sony ambassador, right? I am a Sony ambassador. How how um, did how did that uh, happen? Uh, it was a lot of me begging. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was um, so Sony had a camera back in the day called the A ninety nine. Um, and the A99 was like their last DSLR. It was their last full frame, big body DSLR. Uh, I had that camera and I loved it. And I was in Norway. I think I was the only action sports photographer using that. I, I couldn't think of anybody else. I was shooting a lot of skiing, a lot of hiking, a lot of adventure, a lot of stuff outdoors. Um, and I found out who the salespeople in Norway were, uh, which is funny because Norway doesn't really have a marketing force in terms of Sony. That's all run out of Copenhagen. So I managed to get in contact with the salesperson in Norway. I sort of insisted that I come to their office. I was like, hey, <laughs> Monday at 12 o'clock, I'm going to come to your office and I really want to show you some of my stuff and sort of be acquainted with you. And he responded, yeah, okay, sure. So we spent about 30 minutes. I showed him some of my work. And then I... Did you have like a book or did you... Uh no, I, I use my computer. I, I, I use my computer. There's no point in printing anything anymore. My computer screen is way better than any prints. Right. More vibrant <laughs> colors, and it's the exact same color as it was when I edited, so it's, why would okay. you ever change that? What kind um, of computer do you use? Just a side note. Like, I have a MacBook Pro. Right now oh, it's yeah. the super old 15-inch because I am too stubborn to... I, I still have the SD card slot in mine. That's oh, all right. it is. Uh, yeah. And I value hey. that so much. You don't have the keyboard that gets stuck, you know? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> next year, um, first thing in January, I'm buying the new 16-inch. Oh, yeah. And I'm just admitting defeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they have these docks now that you can, like, uh, plug on the side of the computer. And, I don't want to yeah. plug shit in the side of my computer. Yeah. I already have, right now I'm looking, I have one, two, three, four, four different things plugged into my computer just to make it run at, like, a base level for Photoshop. Yeah. It's... I don't need more than that. <laughs> oh, what, what what do you uh, hook uh, into your? Uh, I'm, I'm we're talking about something different now, but uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, we we yeah. can get back to the Sony stuff. Yeah, let, let's let's go back to the Sony stuff, and then then we'll start talking about gear because I, <laughs> yeah, I, I love yeah, talking okay. about that too. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, just to finish that story, I, I, after that meeting, the guy was just like, okay, <laughs> like I could tell he wasn't invested and didn't really have the power that I hoped he had. Um, so I just sort of like left and then i kept sending him emails over the next year and was like hey uh just went on this trip did these photos check it out uh i hope everything's good with you and it was it wasn't really any begging for me to be on the team because norway only has two spots for ambassadors and those were already filled um so for me it was just kind of like i just want to be friends with the brand right. um and then about a year and a half later or something the a99 2 was released um, which was the upgraded version of the A99, which the A99 II was a beast. Like, I love that camera, and I miss it to death. I think that thing was great. Um, that was Sony's definitively last uh, full-body DSLR. Um, so I called him as soon as I heard that. That was like right when it was released, I called the guy I knew at Sony. And the moment he picked up the phone, before I even said anything, he was like, you heard about the new camera, didn't you? <laughs> like, yeah hell yeah give me one of them 
and from that point, he was like, yeah, I agree. This suits your work very well, and uh, you should probably come by the office and let's talk about some opportunities. So then he hooked me up with the actual guy I was supposed to be talking to, uh, and from there, we built a contract, and we were off and running, and that's the way it's been ever since. That's great. Yeah, yeah. they've been super supportive. They had to create the third spot on the team for me. And I really appreciate that. It's, well, good it's, for you, man. I, yeah, thank you very much. It changed the way I look at photography in both good and bad ways <laughs> in that I'm spoiled to all hell. Um, so so what, what does it get you? Like, You can basically say, hey, man, I want to have this camera. Can, can I borrow this uh, from you for a while? And then Yeah, I've, basically, it's kind of, uh, I mean, the, the details of the contract are, it's tough. I kind of have to tiptoe around some certain things, yeah, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, but sh- sure. Um, that's essentially what it's become. I offer them my services in terms of, um, doing lectures and doing workshops with clients. I do a lot of direct to consumer stuff where I go out and hang out at these photo stores and talk to customers and help promote the products. Um, that's fun. Sounds like fun. That's the, that's the thing. It's all in the context of what I do. So yeah. I tell them about what I use the camera for and I describe my photography and I help them get better at photography and I try to motivate uh, as much as I hate that word and like inspire them to go out and and shoot more. Um, and that sort of defines the Sony lifestyle and then when they think of Sony, they think of that kind of initiative and those kind of photos. So for me, that's right up my alley. I, I, I don't have to sell out constantly. I don't have to memorize all the statistics of every camera. I just sort of have to remind people the reason why I love using the Sony for what I do. Right. Cool. I, I love it. And in t- I mean, exchange, I get to use cameras and lenses, uh, and they provide me with some awesome opportunities. So that's I'm cool. Very happy to be there. Very. That's very nice. Yeah. So, what's in the photography bag of Kyle Meyer? Yeah, uh, what is in the photography bag of Kyle Meyer? I am addicted to the G Master line of lenses. Um, that is like the end-all be-all for me. So right now I have the 7200 2.8 G Master, which is like that's the 7200. That that focal range, if you're a professional photographer and you don't own a lens with 7200 focal range, then you're truly missing out. Um, I have an 85 1.4 G Master, which I genuinely did not think I would like. But it's I wanted to challenge myself because a lot of people when they go on these shoots they use the seventy eight two hundred to shoot action and it's like pff, done easy problem solved. But the eighty four one point four does a lot of the same stuff, but with a really cool twist to it, a really like clean fashion kind of sharp twist to it. Uh, and then of course I have a fifty fifty one point four. That's everybody needs to have one. It's kind of the normal. I literally, um, I have a 24 1.4 G master, which is another one of those lenses where I didn't think I would need it. But the moment I got my hands on it, it's the lightest lens I own. It's one of the most useful focal lengths of all time. And with that shallow depth of field, you can get really, really interesting context to a lot of the stories you're trying to tell. Um, and then I also have a 28 to 35, no, sorry, 16 to 35. Uh, I got lost in the numbers there for a sec. 16 to 35, 2.8, uh, the G Master. And that is the most versatile lens in my bag. That's on my camera 80% of the time. I love that lens. It's gorgeous, yeah. yeah. The, 
that's my lineup right now. And uh, the body, I'm still on the A7R3. I haven't... I Before I upgrade my computer, I don't really want 60 megapixel photos. <laughs> It's yeah, I've I've heard that daunting. one photo is like 120 gigs. Like that's daunting. Yeah. So that's per photo. Uh, yeah, that that I don't think my computer I literally don't think my computer can handle that. So I'm hesitating before I get the A7R4, but it's right after I buy a new computer, that's the first thing I'm getting. Okay. Um, I had the A9 for a little bit as well, but it's too fast. It's it's so fast. It's 20 frames per second, right? Yeah, that's a lot of frames in one second. <laughs> um, it's a beast, that thing. And it continuously focuses through all of that, and there's no blackout. It's, my lord, that thing is beautiful. And the low ISO, or the high ISO performance is amazing because it is 24 megapixels. It's uh, a lot bigger pixels, so it's a very satisfying camera to use. And if you're like a photojournalist or you're shooting sports in like an event situation where you don't get to sit down and plan, like that's the lens or the camera. That that thing is a monster. <laughs> Especially with the, the, the new upgrades. I mean, if you're shooting, like Sony's pushing really hard before the Olympics on this A9 II. Yeah. Because the A9 II has a lot of features that make shooting as a journalist much more convenient. A lot of like... I guess you could call them gimmicks, but they seem useful for the people who really want to use them, like the voice memo that you can attach to a photo and stuff like that. Yeah, right. That's, that's for me when I shoot a lot of skiing, and I used to shoot like a lot of skiing events. If I was taking pictures of somebody doing a trick or something cool, it was so hard to remember what the trick was that they were doing and the name of the writer. So it'd be right. so cool to like take the photo, look down, narrate it on top of the photo, and look at that. Post, but I think a lot of people look at that as like a just a niche gimmick. That's very useful. I I think it is, and I would like to try it. But my photography doesn't need that. Yeah, like my commercial stuff. But if you're shooting lots of events in action, I bet that's one of the most useful things. Oh, one of the tricks that I do uh, when I take photos of people. uh, Sometimes I go out in the street and take some street. I like street photography too. And what I do is, uh, hey, put your email address on your phone screen, and then I take a picture off their phone yeah. screen right after. That's that's my way of. Uh, yeah, yeah. I- imagine <laughs> that convenience, but like a fraction of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, I-, I bet that's really <clears throat> useful. But um, but you know. you were you were saying uh, like the the sixteen thirty five that's your most used lens. Yes. But within that, there's also the the twenty four that you like that yes. you like a lot. What does the twenty four do that the sixteen thirty five doesn't do? If I want to tell the same amount of context, I want to give a story in a photo. Sorry, uh, a lot of context, but I want to really focus the viewer's eyes on the subject. For example, if it's um, like a model in an environment or something. And the idea is you're supposed to be looking at the model and not the environment. Having the F1.4 is super useful. For right. That. Um, shooting at 2.8, you get a lot of depth and you get a lot of detail, but sometimes that detail can be distracting. Yeah. So if I'm shooting landscapes or something where there's a lot of mountains in the distance and I can keep it on F6.3 or uh, 8, then... 16 to 35 is the most useful thing in the world. That's, like, amazing. And if I can get close to the model and shoot 
um, super wide. Then f2.8 is fine. It's it's perfect. But um, if you really want that extra step, that little bit of extra focus on your model or whatever it is that you're shooting, 1.4, or if you're shooting stars, for example, and you don't have the luxury of um, steadiness, if it's windy or if it's cold and your hands are all shaking, having f.4 in low light is, or f1.4 in low light is, is phenomenal. Right. It has its place. It's hard to describe, but it has its place. Okay. And when you take landscape pictures, which lens, you said the 16-35, but how would you use the 7200 for do you use that mostly for landscapes or other things or no if uh if i'm shooting landscapes it's more often than not that i'm hiking um where weight is a very big focus um so often when i'm hiking and shooting landscapes if there's going to be a model with me i'll bring the either the 51.4 or the 81.4 i won't bring the 7200 because that's a beast it's heavy that thing is heavy um but that has its purpose for like action sports. Okay. Uh, if you're shooting a sporting event or you're shooting a model, it also has a lot of good uses in like shooting models in studios where you can have the perfect lights um, or you're shooting in environments where you really want to show some of the environment but still have the focal length. Uh, that's where the 7200 really shines. It's maybe the most versatile lens I have in my bag. The one thing it can't do is lighten my backpack. <laughs> I'm sorry? The one thing it can't do is lighten the load on my back. <laughs> that's the unfortunate part. <clears throat> but that that lens is, I mean, it's key. It's something everybody needs. It's one. It, I mean, 7200 is such a massive difference in focal length. It's so much fun to use. Yeah, it's a big, big range. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so some people uh, say like if you have the 1635, 24, 70, and the 7200, that, that basically covers uh, all the basics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they were talking about with uh, with Nikon. Nikon has the holy trinity of lenses um, where that focal length covers everything all the way up to 200. And that's uh, Sony has that as well, plus more. I, I think that's something that shouldn't be overlooked is not just shooting with the basic lenses, but also trying to fill in the gaps with the fun ones. Right. Uh, they also recently announced, like uh, I think it was 135 millimeter. 1.8? Yeah. Yeah. I've used uh, 135, 1.8 before. It's a very hard lens to use. <laughs> yeah. But it, I shot a boxing match with it. And the amount of detail and focus, like you couldn't tell there was a crowd of 10,000 people behind the boxers. Oh, but wow. you could get these like focuses where like the punch is just pushing through the chin and the sweat's flying everywhere but you don't see any detail behind it. that was a crazy fun lens you can isolate what? really isolate the action how far were you away from the ring i was at the ring i was right next to it like in the ring okay. shooting through the ropes um, oh, so you got like this super detailed super yeah. close-up oh, yeah that's like awesome. chest chest up like portraits almost but a weird style portrait where <laughs> yeah, someone's getting, getting hit in the, in the face. face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what uh, what was the match? Like who versus who? It was Cecilia Bracus versus uh, who cares who the other woman was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, C Cecilia Bracus is um, low-key pride of Norway. Uh, she's a female boxer who is undefeated, 36-0, I think now. That's and a, down for pound, one of, one of the greatest boxers of all time. Uh she also, in Norway, boxing has been illegal for a very long time. It's been at illegal? Least, at least professionally. It's, it's, not, 
It's Why? not something they wanted to encourage because uh, it's such a violent sport. It, it's it's I, one of the I, oldest sports. I think there's a lot to do with the violence, but I I, I don't know specifically. I haven't researched wow. this. But what she did is she managed to make it uh, legal again in a professional environment and hosted the first ever boxing match. Um, and she paid for all the television rights and everything herself. So it was oh, broadcasted wow. on TV for free for anybody to see. There was no pay-per-view or anything. Um, and this was groundbreaking for us. So wow. now boxing is sort of taking That's this. Badass. Yeah, it's taken this new growth. They, people are, they say she lost like a couple million on it, which is pretty impressive that she took yeah. that hit literally and figuratively. Um, just so we would have access to not only boxing, but the growth of the sports and this like new wave of young people getting interested in it. I that's think that's pretty cool. crazy. And now she's still whooping ass. <laughs> uh, she's insane. She's unstoppable. She's uh she's like the Terminator. You can't stop her. Did you did you uh, get to talk to her after or before the match? No, 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 no. That's locked down. That is. Yeah. Uh, I shot portraits at the um, weigh-in. So I got some pretty cool stuff of her, but she barely made weight. So she was like in the back, um, trying desperately to lose the last bits of weight. So nobody saw her until she stepped out on the scale, weighed in and then disappeared. Right. Uh, and then during the match, she came out, whooped ass and then went back. And that's basically all I saw of her. But it's crazy fun opportunity. Not only professionally to try to like reach into a new environment, but to push my own photography. Right. Really learn something. That's why I brought the 135. Is I was like, I want to learn something new today. So I tried. I tr I really tried. <laughs> I missed a lot of shots, but I I think I got a lot of really cool stuff. And you used a A7R three for that? No, that was a while ago. So that was this was the A mount 135. Okay. Uh, so this was this was a long while ago. This was on the A99 two. Okay. Um, but the new one I haven't tried. The new 135 I haven't tried. Okay. Uh, but I assume they're, I mean, it's, it's a 135 and it's, uh, it's a G master, right? Yeah. So yeah. the glass is going to be perfect. It, I assume it's very similar experience. It's going to be big, heavy and expensive. <laughs> going to be big, heavy and expensive. It's <laughs> the nature of the beast. <laughs> it's what we signed up for. Um, and that's, I think that's part of the luxury of shooting with Sony as well is that since Sony has been leading the E-mounts, I say that like big, heavy, and expensive is a good thing. No, I, I, since Sony is leading the full-frame game so hard and they have been, or the full-frame mirrorless game so hard and they have been for so long, all the other third-party companies have had a chance to sort of build their repertoire and create new, like Sigma has, what, eight or nine lenses now that are fit for, their prime lenses that are fit for Sony. Yeah, there's uh, art lenses. They're really nice. They're amazing. Yeah. They're made. Everybody's everybody's killing it. I remember when Sigma was just shit and cheap and and just yeah you know, yeah. I had Sigma when they were shit and cheap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had their fifty way back in the day, and I mean I was happy Tamron to have too. it. But Tamron's you know. killing it as well. Tamron makes their wide angle. They're seventeen to thirty five, I think it is, or something. Yeah, two point eight. Seventeen to twenty eight. I forget. That thing is amazing. And it's, it's, a hell it's of a lens. pretty small, you know, and it's weather sealed, and it's, and yeah. it's super sharp. I've, I haven't tried it myself, but what I've I've had it in my hand, and it's like very small and light. And yeah, it looks kind of goofy. 
<laughs> and that has the big front element on it, right? Uh, but that thing is... Uh, but that's that's the thing about Sony is that everybody's had a chance to develop lenses for that system. Yeah. Since that system is the future, it is the present, actually. It's the current uh, getting rid of the mirror. It's nice to see that other companies, third-party companies, are supporting that and creating cheaper alternatives to Sony products. Yeah. I mean, they're... They're nowhere near the G Master lineup, I think. I mean, this is just a personal preference, and it's wow. take it with a grain of salt because I'm paid by Sony to say it. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I've I been think impressed. the G Master is the end all be all. I love those. I've been impressed with the new uh, lenses that uh, Canon has been putting out uh, for their R system. RF. I haven't kept up. I saw they had a 24 to 70 2.0, right? Yeah. Or am I wrong? Uh, See, I think it was uh, 2470. Yeah, I think so. And then. And then they also have, um, they put out a 7200 that's super small somehow. Okay. Is yeah. that a 2.8? Yeah. Yeah, but it, oh. it's like 30% shorter than their regular mirror wow. lenses. So so they did some engineering magic there somehow. I got to look into that. I, yeah. I, I need to research that a little bit more. But yeah. that's super impressive. Yeah, I'm happy somebody's pushing it. Yeah, that, but they're they're so expensive. Like they're, they're 2870 2.0. That thing costs thirty two hundred and fifty euros. <laughs> That's a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of money. And it's new technology. I mean, it's new technology, and if you want that kind of focal length with the new mirrorless camera, that's what it's going to cost. Uh, you're, I mean, yeah, think the, of it as like um, like an early, like an early supporter of a product, right? You're yeah. supporting the growth of the product in the long term. Um, Early backer, what do they call that? With like, I don't know. The early adopters. Early adopter. That's yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's basically what you're doing. This is all new technology. I know it looks very similar and it feels very similar to what it used to be in terms of lenses, but it's completely new. And there's new systems, new factories they have to, or new like machines at the factories they have to do new, new production lines. Yeah, exactly. They they can't just like turn a dial on the old machines and bring it back. <laughs> uh, now what Canon has to do now is, is put out an, a good body to accommodate those lenses because the EOS R is, it's a good camera, but it's nowhere near what Sony's putting out now and or, or Nikon like even. <laughs> no, but but it's, I think it's it's true, you know, like the EOS R is, is a nice camera, but it doesn't have the, the uh, in-body stabilization it doesn't have, uh, you know, you, you can tell it's like version 1.0 of, of what they're doing. And if you, especially if you compare it to an A7 III or the, even a Nikon uh, Z6 or 7 series. Yeah. It, it feels like, uh, all right, this is like, we got a platform to hook these lenses up to. I think the price of the camera is like two, two and a half thousand, but their lenses are like, like the, the lenses seem way more, way higher place than the camera itself. Yeah. So so my guess is that they're going to put out something really cool before the Olympics, you know. Yeah, that, that would be nice, right? It's competition is always a good thing. It's good, uh, yeah. It's really pushing Sony to to create hard I I, I think um that, just so you know, as a disclaimer, I don't know anything about any future cameras coming out from Sony. They do not tell anything before it's launched nobody okay. knows like zero knowledge but i think that is part of the reason why the a7s3 has taken so much time is that but, 
there's so much competition now. And people are creating numbers. Like r- the rumors for that are insane. I've, like, I've seen uh, like this week there was like a leak somewhere so that they, they someone took a picture of someone holding it or they thought. I saw you that. Know? Yeah. I saw that. And with that comes people who speculate like, oh, it's going to be like 16-bit video and like uh, you can film 4K at 120 frames a second. I saw that number too, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a huge milestone if that's we can ridiculous. pull that off. So yeah. it's... I think that's part of the reason why it's been taking so long is that this competition has been driving these numbers up like insane amounts. Yeah. And everybody expects Sony to lead the charge. So, of course, when Canon says we're doing 4K at 60 frames, everybody looks to Sony to be like, we'll do 120. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we got to stop spreading these rumors and just calm down for a second and realize how difficult that would be to have like 10-bit in-camera recording, like a heat reduction system, that's a lot to ask for in an A7 body. That's yeah. a phenomenal task, but I wouldn't put it past Sony to deliver. 120 frames that. per second at 4K. What kind of, how much data, what kind of bit rate would that take? Like What kind of memory card would that take? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah how how, how fast would you have to write that, you know, you need some, you probably need like a solid state disc or something. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, would we go back to compact flash or would we, somebody's got to come out. Sony's got like 300 upload and 300 download, right? Or 300 write and read. With their, with their proprietary memory cards, you mean? Or Yeah. The, yeah. With the tough cards. Yeah. Th- those do that. Um, That's fast. Is that fast enough? Yeah. 120 no frames per second, 4k at, at like 10 bit. That's, it's got to be insane. It's a lot of info. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of info. So it's, I, I think people need to calm down a bit with these rumors. It's, yeah. it's getting out of hand. It, you got to like, physically, I don't know if these things are possible. Having no. said that, I know nothing about <laughs> what Sony has planned. Um, uh, and I, I, I wouldn't put it past Sony to deliver something that's going to change the market. Right. Well, they've, they've done it plenty of times before. They really have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean they're selling the R4 has 61 megapixels. That's ridiculous. Imagine <laughs> telling somebody that like five years ago. Five years ago, even yeah, yeah, it's, that's a lot I of megapixels. <laughs> yeah, well, I think what they said about the G Master lenses is uh, we're we're engineering these to to be able to handle 100 megapixels. Oh my so, god! So so that what what they basically say is right if you buy this. Uh, G Master today, and we put out a 100 megapixel camera out in 10 years. You you will still have you won't uh, let's see the, um, the 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 lens wouldn't limit that resolution basically. Okay. So I, I guess how could a lens limit that resolution anyway? Like well, the what, sensor wouldn't be bigger, right? Well, I mean, what 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 they're what they're basically well, if you um, if you have like a 100 megapixel sensor and your lens. Is only sharp up until fifty megapixels, ah, let's say. So okay. you wouldn't you wouldn't see a quality difference because the limit of the lens is at that level. I but see they, what you mean. Then yeah. all the pixels would just be sort of blurred together. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. would have twice as many pictures, but wouldn't be sharper because the lens is not sharper. That makes sense. So. I don't know why I never thought about that, but wow, that's some sharp lenses. So I guess that's where they're going. <laughs> that, that's the sharp lens. 
I'm yeah. curious to see where it goes. I mean, where do we stop? How many pixels is uh, is enough? Fujifilm does a hundred pixel or a hundred pixel. Is that a medium format? More medium format, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then so, that makes sense. So you have like these huge lenses that you have to. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't want to be carrying that up a mountain. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I would love to try. I was talking to um, Phase One about trying that shooting action with their 150 megapixel camera. I just oh, want to wow. try it, but I hear the Phase Ones are like a very slow camera. Yeah, for for landscapes, it's it's great, I'm sure, but you can't really do action with them. Ah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So I would like to try it, but uh, I'm curious to see if it would work. Phase I think one. the the amount of light that they limit, or the amount of light that they bring in, is kind of limited. Well, so but if you're doing landscape, you're using a tripod anyway, right? Yeah, then you're fine. But I want to shoot some action. I want to get like, I want to skier. Like really aggressive powder turn and like cool landscape. I really want that. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I don't want to just put it on a tripod and hope for the best. So if you <laughs> if you shoot sport, you use the seventy two hundred, right? Mostly, yes, probably seventy two hundred is a very good one for sports. Um, okay. If I'm shooting an event, like uh, I shoot X Games in Norway uh, every year, oh, wow. the seventy two hundred is the easiest thing to just leave on your camera. You walk around the arena, and no matter where you are, you'll be able to reach the action. Uh, it's a super fun lens, and it's nice. This year, it was uh, indoor, so the lighting was kind of restricted. So the f2.8 really, really helped there. Cool. And then you uh, put it on high speed and just like like rattle off, or do you... Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm a burst addict. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem. I go through a lot of hard drives. <laughs> I got to stop using burst so much. I... I like rarely ever think about uh, how many photos I'm taking, but with action, it's it's fun, and sometimes you need that if you're shooting somebody who's doing like a, I don't know, like a switch dub cork twelve, and they're like can only cap blunt on the third rotation, just at this right angle where they're facing you. You you need that frame, uh, so you you kind of have to. You have to shoot at 10 frames a second and just hope for the best. Okay. There's there's no chance you're going to be able to time somebody who's like spinning that fast or doing that much action. Or if you're shooting like slalom skiing and they're hitting a gate, the yeah. gate to go from like vertical to down on its like flat on the ground is like a fraction of a second. Right. So you need that speed to, to get that moment in between. But when you're shooting models in the streets... Uh, you don't really need that, and I have a hard time understanding that. <laughs> so I leave it on burst pretty often. And you're you're using the A7R3 for all of that? Yeah, now, yeah, I, I love that camera. Uh, the amount of detail you get in the photos, because I shoot a lot of commercial as well, um, and the amount of detail you get from those photos is phenomenal to be able to work with in Photoshop. I love it. Yeah. And uh, editing you do on a MacBook Pro? Yep. I do it on a MacBook Pro. Uh, I have a 5K LG screen, the oh, screen wow. that LG made for uh, for the MacBook Pro, um, which is phenomenal. Uh, considering we're only like Apple's, what it's like eight thousand euros for a 6K screen from Apple now. Yeah, and if you want to, if you want to have the stand with it, you have to pay another thousand. Oh, so <laughs> just the, oh, the stand is, is a thousand bucks. <laughs> I spec'd out. 
just for fun, I spec'd out a MacBook Pro. I mean, I guess everybody's done this now. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. Uh, not a MacBook Pro, but the Mac the Pro. Mac and Pro. It's like sixty thousand or something. Like, yeah, I got it up to seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. You get a terabyte of RAM in there. And <laughs> what is that? What is that? Why? Uh, like easier to to run a whole bunch of virtual machines, but I mean, if you do that, you're using a Windows machine anyway. Uh, Just but, use Windows. <laughs> but but if you yeah maybe if you want to like render 3D animations or something that's what I would imagine. Yeah, but just switch. Stop using Mac for that. <laughs> I, I think it's time we just put some pressure on them. Like they don't belong in that market. Yeah, it's it's cool that their laptops are so powerful and so clean and easy to use, but nobody cares about ease of use when you're like render farming. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's insane. I wonder if anybody's going to buy one. Somebody should buy one and just put it in a museum. I think... I think <laughs> just leave it there. So in, in 50 years, we'll look like, look, that, uh, you see what, what you got in your phone today? 50 years ago, you paid you paid 75000 for that. Yeah, exactly. $75,000. You could buy, like, three new cars. That's I think insane. the... I think the guy, like, um, I forget the guy's name. He, he's like a YouTuber who who films, who has like ten red cameras, and who Marquez maybe. Brown yeah, yeah, As the, yeah, like the yeah, the black dude who uh, yeah, who he's looked, the man. Yeah, he's his. He also did uh, he did the tour with Elon Musk in the in the Tesla yep. factory. I love his videos, man. He's, he's uh, the man. I love him because he's like a robot. He's uh, he's dude. super chill, you know. He just lays out the facts and and you yeah. know, no 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 nothing more, and he's. Maybe it's mean to say, but his personality is so like, at least when he's on camera, it's so just straightforward. Like, this is what you need to know. I'm going to run you through it. Yeah, but I love that. Digest you know? it. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't need his like passionate opinion on everything. I think no, it's cool. There's really way too much of that anyway, man. Like, yeah, exactly. Just a lot exactly. of people with passionate um, with passionate personalities who have nothing to say. Yeah. They'll, they'll <laughs> open a video like, let me tell you why this new MacBook sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, Five cool. reasons. I guess yeah. I'm not buying that then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he, he, I think he was the one who maxed it out and uh, kind of just uh, like, all right, here it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. He's, that man is good at what he does. He changed that game too. Yeah, but He's he, got a he, cool office as well. He films his YouTube videos in, with AK cinema cameras. With That's the, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a smart idea. No, but he does it because yeah. you know he wants to do it, and he he yeah. But you know, if I zoom into it, and even if I down uh, downscale it to four K or or thousand eighty p, it just looks a little bit better, and that's uh, that's why I do it. You know? <laughs> it doesn't look any better. <laughs> it doesn't look any better. It doesn't make a difference. Nobody. I love that he does notice. it though. I love that 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 guy is out there doing that though. YouTube you know? compresses the hell out of it anyway. <coughs> it's it's gonna look the same. Whether you film it in 4K, 8K, or 1080, if you release it in 1080, it's going to look like that. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah. Having said that, I'm not a, I'm a still photographer. I'm talking out of my ass. I, I know nothing about the film world. Yeah, that's uh, that's the same thing too. Like I, I take a lot of photos, but some of my friends take photos and videos, and they they try to get me to also do video. But but I'm like, oh, you know, that's such a such a different thing. Even though yeah. kind of goes together, it's harder. Yeah. It's way harder. It's a lot more data. Instead of a backpack, you need a van. <laughs> <laughs> Carry all that equipment. You need grips. You need so many people on set. It, 
the stabilizing uh, things, the, the gimbals, you know. Oh yeah, I just man, I just want, I just want a backpack where I can walk around and shoot whatever I need to shoot. I don't want to worry about lighting that much because you can't record in raw and yeah. I, I'm too well, you, you to got, stills. I think you got the S log thing, which is sort of kind of like raw, I think, or it's like some extra yes. data that that stores more color information. I think S log gives you about S log three will give you about. 14 stops of latitude. 14 or 15, I think. Wow. Which is pretty hefty. That's, that's, that's a lot. Seven on yeah. either side. That, yeah. That's pretty hefty. Um, and it's very useful, but it's, I mean, it's still not raw. No, uh, okay. Nothing will ever compare to a, a raw image where you can really save the details. Isn't that the 16-bit uh, that we were talking about earlier? Or Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it is 16, right? Yeah. No, Sony cameras for still. No, we were talking about the, the rumor, so the rumor yeah, thing exactly. about the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I heard 16-bit for filming. That's, <sighs> that's not ha- that's not gonna happen. 16-bit <laughs> <laughs> in camera is not possible. Not in a little DSLR like that. People got to calm down with those rumors. Rumors. Yeah. <laughs> it's Sony will deliver something, and it will be amazing, and it will be game changing. I don't think it will be like. 12 years ahead. Right. I, I don't think right. the technology will be like futuristic, but it will be leading. It will be class leading. I think the photos of Sony is 14 bit now. The raw photos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I hesitate to say, I, I'm not so, I'm not so sure. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to talk on my ass on that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I don't know that either. Cause I probably should. <laughs> That's just lack of research. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well. Yeah. I mean, Fourteen sounds familiar. We can go a, with that. It's a lot. Either way. Yeah. 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 So it's enough. <laughs> and what kind of what kind of tripod uh, tripod do you use? Do you Dude, use I hate like, tri- I hate tripods so much. Um, you do? That surprised I, me since you were a landscape photographer. <laughs> no. Yeah, but if I shoot a photo of a landscape, I'm on a mountain. I'm shooting a picture of another mountain. And there's like a creek going through or like a river going through the photo and some trees or whatever. If I shoot that at f2.8 handheld at 150th of a second on a 16 millimeter lens versus f like 16, uh, I don't know, like 10 second long photo with an ND filter and all this nonsense, you're not going to know the difference. You're not going to be able to tell if I post that on Instagram or a client uses it or whatever. You're not going to be able to tell unless I want that river to be like moving or I want some sort of a gimmick in that photo where like the stars or clouds are moving. I don't see why you would ever need a tripod. Okay. The quality of photos that you can shoot handheld all the way until like 30 minutes after the sun sets is so good. It's so good. Don't stop doubting your equipment. Just go for it. Use it. Shoot handheld. If you shoot uh, handheld, like what shutter speed do you have minimum? With the uh, 16, for example, 16 millimeter Sony uh, in-body stabilization, the five-axis stabilization, which is a godsend. I did a challenge with myself once to see if I could do a one-second long exposure handheld, and it's fine. Totally worked. (laughs) One One second. second. One second handheld, a full second. But, I mean, to be safe, you can do, like, a quarter of a second, and it's still fine. Wow. It, it's 
people doubt their equipment so much. It's kind of fun to learn the technique as well, right? It's it's so much more fun to challenge yourself than to just bring a tripod, carry it up a mountain, set it down, and realize you didn't need it in the first place. Right. Because while the sun was setting, you had to move the tripod and then fine-tune it to the perfect setting. Whereas, like, I got three or four photos by the time you finished with that one. Right. That, that to me, is really weird. Maybe it's just not my style. Maybe... But I think objectively, tripods can get in the way really, really quickly. Oh, well, they're big and heavy. <laughs> they are. They are. And it's, especially if you're hiking, like if you're doing a thousand some vertical meters in a day, you don't want it hanging off your bag. No. It, no. it just, it sucks. It's just that extra weight. And it's hard. Like when you put your bag down, it becomes all like off balance and stuff. It's, it's just, I don't like it. Um, but when I do use a tripod, I try to keep it as light as possible. So right now I have a Manfrotto, um, Oh, I don't know the name of it. It's too nerdy for me. It's a lot of letters and numbers. Right. Um, but it's it's carbon fiber, uh, and it kicks ass. It does the job very well. Uh, I really appreciate it. One of the things I've been using tripods a lot for recently is to gain height in my photos. So I will to set the camera. Height. Yeah, I'll set the camera on like a two-second timer, extend the tripod 100%, and I'll hold the camera up on the tripod oh, as wow. hard as I can over my head. Because it creates that like bird eye view that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise, and that I think is pretty useful. Okay, um, I never thought of that. That's uh, that's clever. Especially if you're shooting like uh, cars, for example, in a landscape, and you want the landscape to show beyond the car, uh, the car not to like block it. And you can and, just point your LCD screen down, and then yep. so you see what you're doing. There's a lot of guess and check. It's pretty difficult, <laughs> but it's <laughs> super fun. Have you seen that uh, new? tripod that peak design announced yes yeah the peter mckinnon one um the travel one uh, I, th- I think he talked about it it's like this really small it, it's about the size of a water bottle yeah and, and the legs uh, aren't circles so they pack together perfectly yeah 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 it's cool i'm tempted yeah that sounds I'm like t- something very, uh you you would uh, like you know because it's I'm very, very light. tempted yeah <laughs> yeah because i hate i hate traveling with mine like I hate having to take off the head so it fits in the suitcase and right. I want a small one. So if you um, if you go go out to the to the mountains or you go hiking, like what 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 do you take with you generally? Water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. In terms of, of water. In, in terms of camera gear. No, uh, camera gear. So <clears throat> I have a client of mine called Hellsport. Um, Hellsport. Hellsport is a Norwegian tent and sleeping bag company. Um, they do a lot of adventure shoots with me and we go out for like a week at a time, sleep in the tents and we'll go hiking and so on and so forth. So primarily I need six batteries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lots of batteries. Um, I bring my A7R3 as the main and then the backup either is the A7R2, which I have, or the RX10 Mark IV which All is right. a fun, underrated camera. That's one um, of those cameras that does pretty much everything. Yeah, and it shoots raw at 24 frames a second. 24 frames yeah. a second? Yeah. How wow. ridiculous is that? That's, that's like making a movie, you know? The lens the lens is 28 millimeters to 600 millimeters, f2.8 to 4 all the way through. That's insane. So you can shoot at 600 millimeters at f4 on that camera. And the quality is pretty damn good. Yeah, it's good. It's an APS-C. Yeah. No, it's a one-inch sensor uh no okay i don't know it's either APS-C or one inch um rx10 mark four four 
Yeah. It's a pretty sick little machine. And then yeah. lens-wise... It's one inch, yeah. One inch, okay, uh, cool. But it's one of those high-tech BSI crazy Sony sensors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the RX100 sensor, yeah. basically, in a more capable body. Um, so that thing is a hell of a backup, especially if I'm hiking or ski touring, for example. Ski touring where you hike up the mountain with the skis on your feet and then ski down after. You just want something light, hook onto your backpack here in the front so you can just access it whenever. That that one's perfect for it. Um, but lenses, when I'm adventuring, I like the 16 to 35. That's always with me. That thing, it does everything. Um, depending on what I'm going to be shooting, I like the 50 and I like the 85. Okay. Those three lenses in themselves, they cover a huge range, but they cover it in such a unique way that I think is pretty cool to have. Um, one of the things I found myself doing quite a bit is shooting panoramas with the 50 at f1.4. So you turn the camera vertically and shoots horizontally. And when you do that, you open up the focal length. So effectively it becomes like a 4A uh, 2x3 or 3x2 photo it becomes something like a 35 millimeter lens, but right. you have more of a telephoto effect uh, and you have a shallower depth of field. So it feels a lot like a 35 F 1.1 or something. Wow. When you do that. And that's, that's a little trick that I've started leaning on quite a bit. It's, I'm still like, I still don't quite understand how the stitching's going to work all the time, but it's, it's been super fun. You just Photoshop for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lightroom. Okay. And and do you do that with a tripod or do you do that handheld no, as well? By hand. Lightroom is smart. Wow. I do it by hand. Wow. wow. Yeah, so I can I can send you a photo and show you uh how that works, but it's it's pretty cool. For example, uh if you go to my website and you go to um which is uh, kylemeyer.com Kyle by the way. com, spelled exactly yeah. how it's spelled, I guess in the title of this video. Yeah, K Y L E M E Y R. Yeah. Yes, very strange, but it it's what my family chose, and I'm sticking with it. Um, <laughs> there's a in the work section of my website. There's a section called Bixit, uh, B I X I T, and there's a photo, a vertical photo of a guy in a kayak in front of a mountain, and it's a very shallow, shallow depth of field photo. Let's see. But, that was taken with a 50 millimeter, about four or five photos stitched together, panning vertically. Wow. And that's the kind of effect that I'm talking about. That really does look really I guess cool. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the photo's in there, right? I'm not yeah, just yeah, yeah. I, I see it. It's, uh, cool. There's this guy in a yellow kayak uh, with, a, with a blue shirt, which is two great colors that contrast with the uh, you know, rest of the water. Yeah. And then... And you see this huge mountain in the background with the sun shining on it. And the mountain yes. is just kind of blurry and, and the guy is all in focus. And yes. it really gives a really uh, good feeling of skill. That's the effect uh, I was talking about. Yeah. So yeah. with that, That's you, really you, cool. almost, you almost create a new lens that never existed before. And um, could you also do that with like an 85 millimeter, for example? or, or? Easily. Easily. And you would get even crazier results. You would get like a 50 F like 0.9 or something. Right, right, it's, right. It's super, super cool. I love that effect. Um, That's Because cool. basically 
the width of the lens you're using to shoot the photo becomes the height of the new photo, if that makes right. sense. Right, right, yeah. So yeah. if you're panning vertically, then as wide as your lens is going, that's how high the photo becomes. And could could you also do that with like a 16 millimeter? Or, or you could you... and get and get a massive photo. <laughs> yeah. You would get a lot of detail. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's I don't know when you'd use that, but that'd be crazy. Yeah. Like if you're shooting, um, but then you you get some serious warp. You get yeah. a lot of yeah. But you could like if you're shooting in a tall building, for example, shoot from the base and you pan up and get the whole thing in one big photo. If it doesn't fit in a vertical version of that. But uh, that's <laughs> get, you get a wild effect, I'm sure. You would get a wild effect. Yeah, take a lot uh, of Photoshop to bring that back to, to normal. I'm also looking at this uh, picture of Bixit of these uh, two two people standing on on a snowy hill. Yeah. Um, how do you do? You like direct those people? Like, all right, you go walk up that mountain. I'm gonna stay here and take a picture. Or uh... yeah. Um, so. That shoot was cool in that it was very natural for us. Um, we're This is something called ski touring that we do a lot here in Norway. Um, you have a special binding that you unhook your heel on. So your heel comes separate from the ski. And you can use that to sort of walk. Um, okay. And underneath the ski, you put a skin that goes one direction. So you don't slide backwards. You only slide forwards. Um Okay. And you can use that to get up higher on the mountain than like anybody else. And you can get like really, really unique locations and unique skiing, uh, basically. And that's something all of us on that shoot did in our spare time. So it was very natural. The idea was they're scouting for a location. This part of it was kind of staged um, because we were filming as well. So this is while they were setting up the drone and they're getting ready to film around them. Um that was kind of a, you guys go stand there, just sort of plan your route down the mountain. I'm going to go all the way back here and shoot. I think that's with the 70 to 200. Uh, so that that was staged, but that situation is as real as it gets. Cool. Uh, for example, or fun little story goes, going along with that. The client insisted on joining us um, because he thought it would be fun and he wanted to see it all work. But he had never gone ski touring before, and he ended up giving up halfway through the hike. It was too, <laughs> it was too difficult. So we had to finish the whole shoot without the clients. Uh, and the agency, one of the guys from the agency, went back down with him to keep him company. <laughs> so it was just us, the filmers. There was nobody styling or anything. It was just the filmers and the photographer cool. getting the shots done. Do you use That's drones at all? Or, or, uh... I don't. I never got into it. Um, it's becoming very illegal here in Norway. No, oh, yeah, same um, here. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, the, the laws are pretty crazy. Like you can't lift off within 150 meters of somebody near you. It's just yeah, you need to you get a drone license here now. Yeah, you it's, need that here too. Yeah, it's, it's just not worth it. Um, and I, I think that point of view, at least for my style of photography, is is played. I did it for a little bit. Uh, I saw the limits of it, and I guess I've seen it. Right. Because those cameras, they flatten everything so much. Like, if I wanted to s shoot a bridge, for example, a bridge over a river, it looks cool from above. I get that. But there's no sense of scale or size or anything. It flattens the whole image. 
There's no character to it. It's just like a map, basically. <laughs> all you're doing, all you're doing, is creating a map. That's what it is. Uh, that's funny that I never thought about that before. But you're just you're Google Earthing it, <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't suit me. That doesn't suit my style. I I think it's boring. I think it's gimmicky, and I, I'm just not into it. People oh, who are good at it, I'm impressed by. Right. Because the one thing you can control then is the light. And if you can create some sort of crazy lighting while shooting from like above with a drone, that's pretty cool. Right. I, I was wondering how you, uh, there's, there were some pictures that kind of had the bird's eye view, but now I know how you do it with the tripod. So. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. They, they kind of look like, like drone pictures, you know? Up to like three or four meters. Yeah. Then yes. Um, or I was on a mountain next to them. Right. Or yeah. something. Yeah. It's, I use my body a lot when I shoot. Cool. It's, I mean, it's there. Why not? Right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't require a bunch of batteries or something. Yeah. I'm lucky enough. My legs work. As yeah. long as I have chocolate, I'm good to go. <laughs> Running on chocolate. <laughs> exactly. As hiking in Norway. It's key. So what are, uh, what are some uh, upcoming plans for you? Do you have any upcoming big plans. projects or, or big uh, adventures coming up? Or Yes. Yes, I do. I have a project I've been thinking about for two years. And this is the year I'm finally going to make it happen. Um, it's a bit of a secret, but it requires a lot of water and a lot of time. <laughs> Are you going to keep it a secret? or? Uh, I think I will keep it a secret because it's a project that I've... Like, I'm not going to sell it. There's no advertising space in it. It's just something I've always wanted to do. It might become like a, a competition photo eventually. Um, but the concept is very natural. It's very winter and it's very action-packed Okay, is the idea. Uh, so a friend of mine and I are working on making that happen now. Uh, and I'm very excited for that. Aside from that, there's a lot of commercial stuff coming up. Um, I'm moving a lot more into automotive photography. Um, so there's a lot more stuff that I really want to get done in that, uh, that I'm very excited about. Cool. And the uh, automotive photography, all the, all the pictures I've seen is it's just outside with natural light. Yes. So uh, is there, are there any uh, hidden lights somewhere or, or uh, um, reflectors or, or is it all just natural light? Generally? I'm, st I'm still like, I think we're always still, in terms of automotive photography, there's so many things you can do with light. There's so many stories you can tell as long as you just move like one light from here to here to here to here. It completely changes it. So I think I want to get a grasp on natural light first. Okay. Understand the idea of storytelling using the light that's given. Um, I really want to perfect that and sort of not only make that my style within uh, car photography, but become as adept with natural light as possible. Cool. Um, I have played around with flashes before and like light painting and all of that. But it's so easy to tell when somebody doesn't know how to light paint well. <laughs> and I, I don't want to fall victim to that. Uh, so for me, if I'm using a flash, it's just sort of to add some accents and fill in some shadows, uh, at least in a commercial sense. On my Instagram, I'll post like whatever just because I think it's fun. Um, but in a commercial and professional sense, I like it as natural as possible because it's, it's more fun. The story continues a little bit better. And you're not working for five hours on getting like one photo. I'm too restless to spend that much time on one photo. Right. So lighting, I like to keep to a minimum. It's more fun that way. Okay. 
Do you ever get to drive uh, really cool cars that you uh, uh, take photos of? Or yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know why they you trust me with bastard. it. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, so the love for cars came before the photography ever did. I have been obsessed with cars since I was young. Uh, my father was really into cars, and I think that rubbed off on me. So that has become and, and like knowing little things about cars and the mechanics, and I, I just like I love it too much. So for me to shoot a car without getting to drive it is like infuriating. <laughs> it's it, it's infuriating. That that's a frustrating <clears throat> one. But um, so for me, like I could, if somebody gave me the option of like. Here's a Porsche GT2 RS, for example. Yeah. You can either spend an hour shooting it or I can give you 30 minutes driving it. I would I would drive it <laughs> way before I would shoot it. What's no, the coolest I, car you've ever driven? Coolest car I've ever driven? Uh, coolest as in like fastest and craziest or like... The, the, one, the one that put the biggest smile on your face. Uh, my friend has a 1978... Porsche 911 SC, that like, that's a fun car. That's old a fun school, car. all mechanical. All mechanical, air cooled. Uh, it's about a hundred and I think those were about 180 horsepower. Um, it's a Targa, so there's no roof, uh, and the engine's behind you, so you get that feeling of like you hear it. Right. Uh, fully manual, and there's a lot of little things to the car that like. The engine's in the back, and there's nothing in the front, so it's very lightweight, and the nose changes very, very fast. Um, but if you risk it a little bit too hard, the back kicks out. It's super scary. <laughs> but that thing is a beast. That is so much fun. Uh, like, the pedals, they're kind of offset, so the brake pedal's a little bit too far forward. It's There's a lot of little things with that car that I think are... There's a lot of personality. Right, right. That that made me the happy. But having said that, like I've driven, uh, I've been in a GT2 RS. I've driven a GT3 RS, the newest one. Um, That's like 500 horsepower, right? 500 horsepower, naturally aspirated. Oof. So you get power immediate. It's a super fun car, but there's when you drive it, the personality is kind of, it doesn't compare. You feel there's, uh, there's a bunch of computers between you and the road. Well, that's the thing with the GT3 RS or the GT3s is that there's not like because that car is naturally aspirated. There's no lag. There's no turbos. Uh, there's there's no turbos. There's no superchargers. It's just straight power, and that that gives you that feeling of like you are driving a car and I'm the one controlling this, and that I really like. But there's something about like like I drove an MG. I, I drove a bunch of um, MGBs this summer, which is an old British sports car. That's about 90 horsepower uh, convertible. I, like 1960s was what I was looking for. And that is rack and pinion steering, which means when you turn the wheel, it's turning a gear on like a rack of teeth and that rack is being pushed back and forth. Right. So all you're doing, like it's very direct feedback. And there's something about that. That's, that is fun. <laughs> that is, that is fun. It's only 90 horsepower, but it's, doesn't I've weigh anything, it. you know. Weighs nothing. Corners like as it should. It's <laughs> it was like a sixty-year-old car, so hey, it is what it is. But it's just fun to have to like fight the car to get it to do what you want. You have to be in control of the car, right? It's not like 
you set up launch control and then you slam the gas and it sort of like chooses how much traction it's going to send to all the tires. There's no cheating. It knows if you're a bad driver. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that responsibility. But having said that, I love all cars. Like growing up, one of my favorite cars was the Honda Element. Okay. There's something about the Honda Element. It was the greatest four-wheel drive car that nobody ever caught on to. That thing is... Let's get a picture of that. All right. The seat's full. It has suicide doors. The seats fold down. Yeah. The thing is awesome. You can clean it with a hose on the inside. (laughs) It's made of plastic. (laughs) It's like 150 horsepower. It four-wheel drive. It does everything. Okay, yeah. I see a picture on the beach and the surfboards. Yeah, it's the most underrated car, dude. That thing is great. And the seats fold down so you can sleep in it. Oh, the suicide doors? Man. I mean it, it it's not it's not a looker, let's be honest here, but it, <laughs> it, it seems it seems pretty it seems really practical. And it's some of the greatest drive. some yeah. of the greatest cars of all time were never lookers. Yeah. Land Rover Defender. I used to own that one. That thing looks cool though. It's not a looker, that thing is a box. <laughs> yeah, but it's it looks cube. it looks cool though. But that's the thing, it looks cool because it's a cool car. If people thought the Honda Element was a cool car, it would look cool. I guess I guess you got a point. <laughs> or like the Jimny, the Suzuki Jimny. That's like the most competent four-wheel drive brand new car out right now. The newest one. It's not a looker. It looks like a huh. it looks like an infant G-Wagon. It it kind of does, yeah. But it's cool. That's a cool car. That thing has a lot of personality and it's unstoppable. Oh, wow, because even, of that. There's even a pickup truck version of it. Of the Jimny? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. That's yeah, they or maybe <laughs> or funny. Or maybe it's it's like a like a concept. I, I, I really want to pick up Jimny now. Uh, let, let's see you if can I put can... like a backpack in the trunk and that's it. <laughs> there, this thing. I don't know if you do. You see my screen? Uh, I see your DH. Yeah, there it is. Whoa, I've never seen that before. I'm not sure if it's real. That's though. not real. That can't be real. There's no chance. Oh, it's it's a rendering. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it looks kind of <laughs> cool though. But I want one. Yeah. <laughs> it's based off the old Jimny body. Damn, when you look at that and you only see the top part of the Jimny, that is a G-Wagon. It just looks like a G-Wagon. It kind of does. Yeah, it's a Crazy. small G-Wagon though, yeah. Beautiful car. That, But it's, I mean, it has plastic on it, just like the Honda Element. But it's cool because people think it's cool. I wish the Honda Element had that. And then they teased a new Honda Element concept that was like a city car. What are they doing? Stop. That's, <laughs> oh, man, I, I love that car. Oh wow! Nah. Yeah, that's that. See, that's a disaster. That's awful. That looks like some some one of those those weird Chinese cars, you know. We're looking. I, I, what can I? We're looking what I can best describe as a go kart with too much plastic. Yeah, it it's, looks very <laughs> plasticky. It's trash. There's no <laughs> adventurous instincts like me. I'm based on adventure. I, I like to have that opportunity. There's no instinct to that. It's just trash. Yeah. So uh, for me, the coolest cars, I think the Defender might be the coolest car of all time. The, the original one. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Before the the rebuild that they're doing now. Yeah. Which is cool in itself. And I actually have the Lego one half finished sitting over there. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at me really sad because I haven't finished it yet. But um, I think it's cool and it has its purpose. But like one of the models that they made in the new one is an urban car. They have, yeah. like, low-profile tires on it. Like, Why do you need four-wheel drive with low-profile tires? Yeah. What's the point? Uh, but the original one, the, the original one, the 90, the 90 wheelbase is, that's it. 
the end all be all for me. 122 horsepower in the Diesel. T5. Yeah. Diesel. It's all you need. <clears throat> or the BJ or the FJ40. Uh, Suzuki FGF 40. That thing's sick. That's a gasoline powered. Uh, oh wow! That looks like a like a real uh, like a hardcore off road vehicle for sure. These are the cars I love. These yeah. there's so much character in these things. What's your opinion of on the Range Rovers? Range Rovers are they are the gentleman's four wheel drive. Right. Um, <laughs> they are. Before Aston Martin teased their DBX, the new SUV, they were the Aston Martin of the SUV world. Right. Um, I think that's a good description, yeah. And I I love them, and I love what they do, and I love their versatility. I don't love how people use them. Um, drive their kids they, to soccer practice. They're one of, they're one of the <laughs> greatest four-wheel drive cars of all time. It's like that and the G-Wagon. The G-Wagon is... Maybe the most capable four-wheel drive car that's produced right now, but nobody's ever going to take it off-road. No, it's 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 used for rappers and oil shikes going to uh, really expensive restaurants and nightclubs. That's a shame. It's that's <laughs> a shame. I feel bad for them. I just I feel guilt when I think of that. That's why I like the Defender. Is nobody cared? Like the Defender is a farmer's car. You're meant to use it. Right. I think uh, there's there's uh, sometimes you see like. Defenders from the '60s still being used every day on the farm, you know. Yeah, the it's OG uh, Land Rovers. The, before it was even called the Defender. Yeah. Before any of the Land Rovers had names, it was just the Land Rover. <laughs> it's legit. This, like the Series Three, the Series Two, those things are they're legendary and they still work. And right now they're super cheap because most of them are like piles of shit, but they work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the Toyota Land Cruiser, of course. That's that thing's also legendary. Yep, born of the FJ40. FJ40 is the original Land Cruiser. Is that true? Yeah. Huh. Well, really? they insist because they wanted to make a new FJ, the FJ Cruiser or whatever they call it now. They insist that the FJ was always its thing, but the Land Cruiser came from it for sure. Right. They're big and expensive. Yeah. They they're big. they're great. Yeah. They're good cars. They're good cars. Or if you're in the Middle East and you pull up to a stoplight next to a Nissan Patrol, yeah, <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> Those things are next level. Yeah, Nissan Patrols. I've been in Australia and, and there were big discussions what the best off-road vehicle was. And it was either the Nissan Patrol or the Toyota Land Cruiser. And there, was, uh, there were great, heavy discussions about that uh, over, over beers in many bars. Both great cars. Yeah. They're not Defenders, but they're great cars. <laughs> so the Defenders, the end-all, be-all for you. I, th I think that's one of my favorite cars of all time. Cool. Uh, I had one for a little bit, uh, and I'm very sad it had to go. That's, that's a beautiful car. I need a new one. I'm always in the market for a new one. So if you know anybody, let me know. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, I'll keep my eye out for you, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's your daily driver now? Uh, I have an Audi A3 e-tron, the Sportback. Oh, wow. Which yeah. doesn't exist in the States for some reason. The, uh, the hatchback. It's 200 horsepower, the most reliable and easy-to-drive car that I've ever had. It's, it gets the job done. Yeah. It's good for city driving. It somehow makes it up icy roads during the winter with its front-wheel drive. But I would love the RS3 instead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that thing's a is a beast, man. 
That's it is a beast, and you can spec them up like you can chip them up to like 450 horsepower easy. And in a tiny car like that, that's just ridiculous, man. It'd be fun. It'd be fun, and it's four wheel drive for the roads out here. Oh man, you can have so much fun with that for sure. There's a lot of cars that I want right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, that list goes on forever. But uh, right now, uh, it's me and my e-tron. Okay. So, any? Um, do you have any back to back to photography behind the beyond the big secret project? <laughs> Are there any other plans or projects uh, coming up in the in the 2020? Yeah, um, maybe not so photography related, but I really want to start a podcast. Um, I'm jealous of people. Oh, here like you, you go. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm very jealous of that. That's why I have this. My podcast mic. That's why this sounds so good, hopefully. Nice. And I haven't messed up everything. I keep checking the mixer just to make sure everything is like still moving. Cool. Um so that what? I want to get a studio, um, build a podcast studio, uh, start doing more podcasts. Cause there's a lot of downtime when you work as a freelance photographer. If you don't constantly keep shooting and testing yourself and you're only shooting for clients, there's a lot of downtime. Uh, so I want to fill that with fun stuff. What kind of uh, podcast are you going to do? What are you going to talk about? I want to talk to people who've either achieved something uh, super cool and walk through their process and experience that. Uh, I also want to help people achieve super cool things. People who have something on their mind that they wanted to do forever, but just can't really find like that last little bit of motivation to go out and do it. Right. Because I'm the, I'm the kind of person who loves to learn and learn by doing. I love to like try new things. So I would love to go, for example, with somebody who maybe wants to like start weightlifting or something more often and become stronger. And I would love to go and like learn that with them and help give them a boost. Because a lot of the times good ideas and good habits die because nobody's willing to share it with you. So I, I want to create that platform and sort of walk through the mentality and help them do that. I think that would be a fun storyline, and I would love to tell that. Cool. Yeah, that's so, that, yeah. yeah. I have like you know, like David Letterman does in his show, the My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, where he has these little like on location pieces, like stuff like that. I, I think that would be super fun. Well, nice. You know, that's uh, that's good. I can recommend it. You know, like podcasting is fun, and it's. It's enabled me to talk to some very interesting people, including yourself, that that I would normally not be <laughs> yeah. not be able to 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 do. You know, so it's uh, it's. How uh, long have you been? How long have you been doing it? Since two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah. you're deep. You're deep in it. Yeah. So this is is probably going to be like episode twenty five or something. Nice. Yeah, and the, the first one is the first ones are pretty pretty. Rickety, I'm I'm doing the um 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 thing the whole time, so so it's uh. They should it, be though. Yeah, uh, it's it's, it's been a it's been a learning process, you know. But it's it's yeah. it's just another skill, and and you get better at it, and you, yeah, you know. It, I've I've one thing that it has taught me personally. I've been getting better at like really listening to people and kind of going from asking a question based on what was just said and just kind of let the conversation flow naturally. Yeah. So it's uh I'm, yeah, I'm still uh, learning. There's there's still a couple of things that I want to do better, you know. Always. There should be. There but, should always uh, be. But it's it's there been it's been be. a fun ride, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're killing it. This has been super fun. This I've I there's never been like a lull in the conversation and we've jumped from topic to topic and kept it going. It's been super fun. 
Yeah, it's been, well, thanks again for coming on, man. I've, uh, I've uh, yeah, I've, I've learned from you too. You know, I, I'm, I, uh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I, I like taking photos a lot. Uh, I, I hope to be one day where you are in, in, in my own way. The only difference between me and you is I call myself a professional. <laughs> that's it. The moment you start calling yourself a professional and asking for money, that's that's it. Well, right now I'm doing like little event photography things and. Uh, Great place to start. Yeah. Great place to start. But uh, yeah, the landscapes and uh, and uh, street photography, uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's the dream, you know? That's, yep. Uh, yep. Like I said, I don't, I don't share most of my work. People don't know what it actually takes to live off of photography. And that's just the way I want it. It's, it's not glamorous. There's a lot of stuff I do that's not that fun. It's work. I mean, it's, it's a job. So you just got to grind and never believe that a photographer is living off just traveling and shooting fun stuff. Right. It's just never the case. No. <laughs> and if they are, they're an influencer. They're not a photographer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Influencer. What a terrible word that is. I hate that word. I hate There's it. The problem is the longer that word lives, the more of them show up. <laughs> That's Because in the beginning, if you were an influencer, it meant you were good at something else that people liked following. Right. Like a lot of photographers became influencers because they were good at photography and it was fun to watch. Yeah. Like, like Casey Neistat, for example, influencer who was just really good at filmmaking, telling stories and all that stuff. But now the word influencer comes with just like, what do you do? Oh, I influence. (laughs) It's it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, like the Kardashians on, uh, on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking to somebody about this and I figured Paris Hilton was the first influencer. Yeah. yeah she, she didn't she did nothing. She, she had no anything. special talent. Oh, she was oh well some some could argue she did have some special talent, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing beyond birth. Right, right. I mean, nothing <laughs> beyond what you were born with. Yeah. I, that, I don't know. She was entertaining and she was just entertaining for the sake of entertaining, and that's sort of where influencer came from. Yeah. Well, I I wish her the best. That's, uh, yeah, she's making music now, right? And like, I guess. Doing yeah. what she does. Good for her. I would love to meet her, talk with her. Yeah. One thing she did do really well is leaving the spotlight. Yeah, she was that's like, true. She was the center of every conversation for a little bit. And yeah. then one day, just like nobody cared and she never reminded anybody. Right. She was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, she, she didn't make the, make the mistake that uh, a lot of, uh, you know. Yeah, locking yourself into lifelong contracts and stuff. Yeah. Good for her. I, she killed it at that. She was really good when it came to that. But, I mean, I appreciate you, that. You gotta, you gotta admire her for not going completely nuts with that fame, you know? I yeah, mean, exactly. Shaving her head and breaking down. Yeah, man, <laughs> that was just sad. Britney Spears. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, and you're watching somebody lose it, like go crazy. Just a train wreck, uh, waiting, just slowly happening, you know? Yeah. But I, I, uh, I can't imagine what what life like that would be like. You can't go anywhere. There's like paparazzi doing taking pictures of everything you do and you yeah. know, everyone knows you and you know it's constant pressure it's got to be just, you have to perform you have to always have your face on yeah always be willing to perform that sucks because yeah. that's the personality she has in public versus private is or like all of them like kim and kanye and all those people who are constantly on camera it's not the same personality they have and like even this when we're talking one-on-one it, it's it's hard to believe that this is our natural personality 
we are inquisitive people, you and I, and we do like learning and we like picking up on things. And that is very key points of our personality, but it's very rare that we have that turned on because sometimes it's nice just to focus on something else and just be silent and enjoy like being you. So it must be interesting to be in the position where you constantly have to have this on. Right. Like imagine if you were constantly uh, doing podcasts or in this headspace where you have to be a personable human and you have to relate to the other person. And that's hard. Right. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, I do think this conversation has been very natural though. I mean, yeah, it has, it has, it's, I'm not saying that it's a different personality. I'm just saying it's, it's us kind of multiplied. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like an emphasis of who we actually are. And we, we don't really know each other. So we're kind of feeling what the personalities and seeing what, what, how we react to each other and such. So I think that also makes a difference. If, if we ever do this again, I'm sure it'll, it'll, uh, go even more natural, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like bar chat. Yeah. Yeah, That that's, that was actually the idea behind this podcast. Well, in in a nutshell, when I was uh, 29, I uh, quit my job, sold all my stuff, and uh, backpacked around the world for uh, 18 months with a laptop and a camera. And oh, nice! Yeah, and and, and uh, bartended and uh, lived in hostels and um, you know couches and just just went out and had an adventure. Crazy! Nice. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good times, man. I met so many interesting people along the way, and and I would just bump into these people in hostels. People I, you know, see for the first time in your life and probably will never see again. And yet sometimes we had these very deep conversations for like three or four hours and having beers and, and talking. I was like, well, let's start recording these kinds of conversations and yep. kind of seek them out and, and uh, put, put them out on the inter on interwebs. And, yeah, and, that um, place. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and that's that was the basic idea behind it. And so far it's been it's been good fun, you know. That's rad. That's rad. How did you find me? I follow a bunch of photographers on Instagram and on the internet. And okay, I was like, hey, I like this dude's photos, and I, I like his style. He he seems like an adventurous type personality, and and uh, so so that's kind of what drew me to uh, to contact you <laughs> because you know I'm 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 cool. kind of the same way in a different way. So, yeah. so that's that's why I figured well we'll probably get along, you know. That's funny. That's cool. Yeah, and just I appreciate that. Send out That's emails, cool that you're out man. You're out there looking. Yeah, I, I got a, I got this uh, OneNote document, which is this note-taking tool. Yep. And I, I have this whole list of people I want to contact uh, whenever I'm just browsing the internet or or think of something or or hear something. I just add it to my to my little list, and every week I, I send out a couple of emails like, "Hey, man, do you want to be on the show?" Cool. Most of the time I don't get a reply, and sometimes I do. And here we are a week later talking for uh, for two hours now. So There you go. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Good That's times, cool, man. man. You're killing it. You're crushing it. That Thanks, takes dude. a lot of effort and a lot of balls, and I'm stoked you're out there doing it. I just got to do it and not think about it too much. You know, I think it's the same Same with you do with your photography. Is, uh, yeah, just go out there. Just go do it. Just go work at it. And, yeah. yeah. That's what it takes. Yeah. That's what it takes. Not too much thinking. Just yeah. full send. Yeah. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, man. Um, cool. I'd say this has t- been fun. Two hours is a good uh, good time to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> I 
but uh, it's, it's been it's been good times, man. We've we've, uh, we've yeah, it flew by. You know, I, I didn't did. even realize did. uh, we we went for that long. So uh, yeah, I gotta go outside. Yeah, do something. Get off this couch. <laughs> so um, yeah, where where can people find you? Uh, to tell tell the audience everything they need to know to uh, to find what you're up to and. Uh, you can call me at no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad uh, idea. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> my Instagram, like we said, is it's just my name. It's Kyle Meyer, K Y L E M E Y R. Uh, you can find me there. I try to keep it as real as possible and just do funny things that I think are cool in the stories. And then I share some of the photography that I think has been uh, the highlights of the week. Uh, and then other than that. Check out my website. If you know somebody who uh, needs some photography services, I'm there for you. <laughs> I, uh, I'm willing to travel, have camera, can shoot. That's basically it. I'll at your boy. My website, kylemeyer.com. That's all there is to it. Cool, man. Well, uh, Kyle, thanks for coming on. I've had a I've had a wonderful time, and I hope we'll do it again in the future. And if you have your podcast, just drop me a line, and I'll uh, I'll be happy to to join there. You're first on the list. <laughs> Hell You're yeah. first on the list, dude. Fly you out, and we'll do it in person. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I like that <laughs> idea. Go out camping, take some photos, go out skiing. Yes, sir. Hundred percent. Good times. I will all see you then. All right, thanks, dude. It's the end. Awesome. Thank, Thank you all you for very listening, much. everybody. Goodbye. All right, thank you all for listening. I really enjoyed that episode. And as a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Alert, A-L-L-E-R-T, the food allergy app for travelers on iOS. Download it in the store today to make travels easier for you if you are if you have a food allergy. And this episode is also brought to you by Onnit. Go to onnit.com, that's O-N-N-I-T, and use the coupon code POLARIZER at checkout, P-O-L-A-R-I-Z-E-R, to get up to 10% off your order and don't forget to sign up to the newsletter on the polarizer.com so you never miss an episode all right that's it ladies and gentlemen thank you all for listening and thank you all for listening throughout this year and i wish you all a merry christmas and a happy new year go be with your family give your loved ones a hug and have a good time so once again thank you all for listening i wouldn't be doing this if you guys weren't listening to this so that, uh, that makes this whole thing fun. And, uh, every week there's uh, there's slightly more downloads than the last one, so there's a nice upwards trend in there. So by all means, keep telling your friends about the show. And um, that will make it easy for me to keep producing them and keep producing more of them in the next year. Once again, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I love all of you, I appreciate all of you, and I wish you all the best. Goodbye. Tot ziens.